hands planted. And we read our key verse of scripture in Matthew 7, verse 15. And the Bible says this in Matthew chapter number 7. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Everybody say fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Man, you're fixing to start bearing some amazingly good fruit this year. But every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Now jump over to Matthew chapter number 12, verse 33. And it says, either make a tree good and its fruit is good. And now, I love this scripture. It says, make a tree good. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, I won't make you fishers of men. So there's a process you're going through. Amen? Everybody says, I embrace, I embrace. the process. process. Amen? If you embrace the process, you'll get the fruit as the results. And it says, either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be Condemned, And so as we jump into the message this morning, our goal this year is truly this, planted. Fruit where you are. Roots where you're growing. We want you to produce fruit right here, right now. I believe the second you get born again, you have the ability to start producing fruit. You have the ability to invite somebody. You have the ability to tell somebody about your testimony, how Jesus Christ just came into your life, changed your heart, transformed your soul, made you born again, and, and you're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. You can tell somebody about your salvation experience. And if you're not excited about your salvation this morning, I can promise you it's been a while since you told somebody about the last time, about the time you got saved. Yeah. Amen? People who are excited about their salvation, you find them talking about the time they got born again all the time. But people who are not excited, you ask them, when's the last time you told somebody about your encounter with God when you got born again? And they'll be like, oh, man, I don't know. So I'm going to encourage you, start producing fruit right where you are. But know this, God wants you to not just produce fruit, but put down some roots. Put down some roots into his kingdom. And develop roots to where you're growing, to where he's growing you into as the kingdom of God. And so as we jump into this message, John chapter number 15, verse 16 in the New King James Version of the Bible, this ought to give you great hope, great assurance, great excitement in your life that all the pressure is off you to produce fruit. Can, can I get an amen on that? Because some of you, when I say, God wants you to produce fruit and a lot of fruit, you're like, oh my gosh, what is all the stuff I got to do? This verse takes all the pressure off you striving to produce something out of your own power. And the Bible says this in John 15, 16 in the King, New King James Version. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Everybody say, I'm chosen. No, no, say it like you know that you're chosen. Everybody say, I'm chosen. See, somebody ought to, you ought to just stand up and do a praise break now because you're realizing for the first time, he didn't choose, uh, I didn't choose him. He chose me, the God of all creation. He's chosen me. Yeah, yeah. He picked me. Yeah. 
You're not the last person on the playground getting kicked for the kickball team here. Jesus said, I've chosen you. You're my number one choice. Come on now, y'all got to get excited about that because some of you are thinking, I've got to produce all this fruit, but when you read this verse, it takes all the pressure off you because it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. So you're just not going to get chosen. He's given you an appointment to bear some fruit and it's going to be good fruit that remains. That means it doesn't fall off the tree and hit the ground and start rotting and becoming nasty, amen. amen. You're gonna have fruit that remains, fruit that abides, fruit in your kingdom. God wants you to produce fruit and not just some fruit, I'm telling you a lot of fruit, amen. I'm talking a lot of fruit. I mean storehouses of fruit. I'm talking an abundance of fruit. So now that there's a spiritual famine in the land, they can come to the storehouse of God because there's an abundance of fruit in the kingdom of God, amen. And he wants you to produce not just fruit, but a lot of fruit. See what God sees in you and what I see in you. It's so mind-blowing that it's world-changing. See, when I look across this congregation this morning, I don't see a bunch of people walking in with sleepy eyes and ready to hear three points in a poem. I see a group of people that God says, I've chosen you, I've appointed you, you're gonna start bearing fruit, not just some fruit, but a lot of fruit, and your fruit bearing's on me, not on you. Come on now. Woo, that, that ought to get you flat, flat out excited. Can you tell I'm excited this morning? I love what God has shown me for you this morning. And he's going to do something amazing in your life. So a lot of our minds, when we talk about producing a lot of fruit, we go to what are the works that I have to do? And if you're saved by grace through faith, your fruit is done by grace through faith. It wasn't works of yourself that got you born again. It wasn't works of your flesh that got you born again. It was work of the Spirit of God that got you born again in this place. And so for us to produce much fruit, you've got to get planted in his choosing power, not your producing power. See, a lot of us, we get born again, and then we get planted in our ability to produce. And we, uh, and we um, distinguish ourselves in the greatness of the kingdom by how much we in our own power can produce. But if you'll get planted in his, in his choosing power rather than your producing power, your faith will rest in his choosing power and his appointment that came with the choosing power to bear much fruit in his choosing power, not your production power. See, a lot of my life preaching and doing ministry, I, I, had to, I have had to go before God and repent so many times because I try to do so much ministry in my producing power, not his choosing power. I want you to do a shift this morning. It's not what you can do in your own power. It's what you can do in your surrendered power. It's when you get planted in his choosing that, hey, he chose you. And if God chose you, that means he's got a plan for you, even though your neighbor don't see it yet. Everybody tap your neighbor and say, he chose me. Everybody say, he loves me. Come on now. I'm telling you, you got to get this. You're chosen this morning. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I choose you. I handpicked you to do the work of God for the kingdom. So for us to produce much fruit, we've got to get planted in his choosing power, not our producing power. And listen, if you're trying to produce in your own willpower, your striving to produce literally hinders your ability to bear fruit. When you're trying to make it happen, it hinders the ability for God to let it happen. See, so much of my life, I've spent my life trying to make things happen. But then when I realized I was chosen, I got to let things happen. 
and I'm supposed to surrender and get planted into his kingdom to let things happen and get out of my own works mentality and trying to make things happen. So be encouraged, man. You've been chosen this morning. And when you've been chosen, he said he wants things to happen in your life. You have to do one thing to produce a lot of fruit. Everybody say a lot. You got to do one thing to produce a lot of fruit, and that's get transplanted. Transplanted. John, can you do me a favor right quick? Can you bring me a chair right up here on stage and just set it like right here in this area? Right here? And as John's coming up here on stage with a chair, have you ever had somebody save you a seat? Right? You go to a football game. Hey, save me a seat. You go to one of your kids' um, uh, rehearsals or school plays, and you got a bunch of family coming. What are you doing? You're saving a bunch of seats. When you save somebody a seat, what are you doing? You're telling everybody else, you can't sit there, this one's chosen. You're telling everybody else, I love you, but this chair is reserved for somebody else. I know you got a place and I know you got something to do, but this chair, (laughs) this chair is saved for somebody else. This chair has a special name on it. See, when you save a seat for somebody, you're telling everybody else that this is a special place next to you because you're chosen. And as you save somebody a seat, you watch what begins to happen to them. It means that they turn, you turn everyone else away because you're choosing power, right? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Your choosing power has chosen a specific person to come sit in this seat next to you. Uh, Katie, can you come sit up here for me? Do me a favor. Y'all, this is my sweet, amazing niece. Give her a hand clap if she comes up to the stage. And so, I call her Skater, okay? I don't know why I've called her that all her life, but I call her Skater. So if I call her that, now beautiful, wonderful, amazing niece, will you hold this plant for me? Yes. Well, don't hide it in front of your beautiful face or, or hold it right there. Now listen to this. This is what God did for you. He didn't just save you a seat, he created you a seat. He didn't just save you a seat, he created you a seat. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, 6 says, and he raised us up and saved us a seat or seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God said, Jesus, you're sitting right here, but God said, I gotta save a seat next to you, Jesus. Because you got a people coming to sit right next to you, and this seat is saved and especially reserved for them. Now, we got a host of creation in heaven. We got the angels, we got the elders, we got the living creatures around the throne, but this seat next to Jesus is saved for the one he chose, and that's you. And this is the great thing about the kingdom of heaven. Well, if if Pastor Jeff is next to Jesus, where's my seat right next to Jesus? If Pastor Sherry is next to Jesus, where's my seat right next to Jesus? Because you've been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Because we are the body of Christ together, collectively coming together. So I want you to realize this. He did more than just save you a seat. He created you a seat. Now, as he's created you a seat, there's something special about that seat. It's right next to Jesus. As he saved you this seat and created you this seat, there's something special about this seat. It's right next to the person who died on a cross for you, was raised again from the dead for you, is ever living to intercede for you right now. You're seated right next to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You're seated next to him. Come on now. That's a special seat. 
but you got to know something about this seat. It wasn't just saved for you and created for you. If you're seated with him, it doesn't just say next to him. It said it's seated with him. So it's the longest church pew you've ever seen, and we're all seated next to him. Amen. Come on. In heavenly places. Now listen to this. Listen to what it says about this seat in Ephesians chapter 1. See, Ephesians 1 is about Jesus. Ephesians 2 is about you. Right? But because you would have forgot about you if I would have went to Jesus, I had to tell you where you're seated, so now you know who you're seated next to. Ephesians 1.20 says this. That he, and, and it's jumping into the middle of it. You've got to go back and read all of Ephesians, okay? But it says, verse 20, it says, That he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, we just talked about that, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above yeah. all rule and authority yeah. and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, let me tell you what that means. There's a lot in there, but I'm, I'm going to narrow it down real quick for you. It, it says this. It says he put all things under his feet. Some of you are saved, but you have not made the transplant into sons. Some of you are saved. You've been born again. You had an experience with God, but you've gone and you tried to produce through, through your own willpower, through your own strength, through your own anointing, through your own uh, stuff, through your own abilities, and you never translated your life of being born again into a son, but you did it as a servant and a slave. Now, as a son, I can serve the father, but still hold the title as a son. As a servant, I can serve the father, but not never have the title of a son. Let me say that again. As a son, I can serve the father, but still have the title as son. As servant, I can serve the father, but never have the title of son. See, some of you have got to get transplanted. Transplanted out of where you're at into your seat next to Jesus Christ as a son and daughter of the Most High God. If you're going to produce fruit and produce a lot of amazing, awesome, wonderful, beautiful, uh, amazing fruit for the world to come and experience God with, you've got to make the transition from slave to son, from slave to daughter. And, and, and man, this is going to be the crux of this whole message, okay? And if you, and if you missed the home series um, uh, two years ago, go back to the first 10 weeks, and there's 10 messages on moving from, from, from slavery to sonship. And go back and listen to them over and over again because I don't have time to re-preach 10 messages message in the next five minutes. So some of you are saved, but you have not made the transplant as sons. But listen to what verse 22 says. And he put all things under his feet. When you realize he created a seat for you and saved a seat for you because you are that important, right, yeah. amen, you'll realize the manure or the yeah. you've been going through the other word for manure, are you catching on? I know, I know it's early. You'll realize the manure or the you've been going through is not there to kill you, but when you're seated with Christ Jesus, it's under your feet, and he can make your mm, that you're going through the greatest fertilizer to get you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 here's the thing. That doesn't happen in the realm of slavery. Because in the realm of slavery, you're walking through the yeah. manure. That's good. But as the realm of sun, let me see what I got up here. 
skater. Pick your feet up real high. Oh, Jeff, help me out here. I missed it. I'll do better second service. I just want to see y'all see Jeff's massive guns. The skater, he said he put all things under your feet. So the manure that you've been going through, he now just says, you're not going through it, I'm going to grow you through it. It doesn't mean the manure is from God. Get, get, get. Don't, don't make that mistake. It doesn't mean the junk you're going through is from God. But it does mean because we still live in a fallen, broken, sin nature world until the consummation of all things, that there will be bad things that infringe on the kingdom of God and good people. And in that, God says you can either use it as manure and make it fertilize it or grow through it, or you can be a slave and you can continue to walk through it. Now, some of us in the kingdom of God, if you haven't transplanted into the kingdom and been seated in the seat you were created, you're never going to produce this beauty here. But when he said, he's given him the name that's above every name, and you're seated with him, not next to him, with him. That's a big difference. See, if you're seated with him, you're with him. If you're seated next to him, he doesn't mean he can still know. I mean... I sit next to a lot of people I, I don't know sometimes. But when you're seated with him, you're with him. So if his feet are above, and his name is above, and you've been born again and taken on his name, he's done one thing. He's lifted your feet, if you let him, and he's planting you in the place that you're at because he's saying you're going to grow through what you're going through. And God says this in Romans 8, 28, and he works out all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Your purpose is this. It's not to do something. It's to be a son and to be a daughter. Your purpose is not to do something for the kingdom of God and work out his purposes for good. Your purpose is to be a son. And listen, I can't go any farther the rest of this year as a church and we can't move farther any farther into the things of God until we realize if we're going to be planted, we got to be planted as sons and daughters and not slaves to, to, uh, to a dictator father. He's a good father, a loving father. And he wants to show you what he's got in your life. Now here's the thing. As we produce fruit, the dichotomy of Ephesians is this. You are seated and planted in heavenly places so you can stand and produce here on the earth. Now, now you got to keep that straight. You are seated and planted with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Therefore, her ability to produce and stand here in the earth becomes amazing. Now, this is why Ephesians starts out talking about where Jesus is at, adds in the next chapter how you got there with Jesus, continues to go through that until you get to Ephesians 6, where it says, though you're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, we put on the full armor of God to take our stand, and when we've done all we can do to stand, we stand firm because we're planted into the kingdom of God as sons and daughters, not standing in a place of slavery based on our own ability to produce. We've got to come to this revelation that as we stand here, if he chose you and if he planted you, it's his responsibility to produce in you. Come on, that's good. 
This takes, this takes the pressure of you producing off. It doesn't take the, 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 um, your hunger for holiness and righteousness and walking in the things of God off. You should, you should hunger for the things of God so he can produce in you, right? right? And so just like it's our, our job to be seated at the same time stand, it's our job to let him produce, but there are things we've got to do in our life as sons and daughters because we love the Father. Amen. And, and got to is a bad word, that we get to do because we love the Father. And this is why I'm so excited about the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in. We're getting to do something that, that sanctifies us, sets, apart, sets us apart, lets us walk in a place with the Father that we haven't before. And watch what God continues to do. And so as you're here, some of you are thinking this, this thing. I'm not the typical choice. Why would God choose me? Because you can look all across the sanctuary and say, oh, but, but Miss Carol, she's more qualified. She's been around a little bit longer than I have. She knows the word better than I do. Or you can look over at, at Mr. Chris over there and say, well, Mr. Chris, he's got an education. He's got a successful business. He's got this. He's got that. God, why would you choose me? I'm not the typical choice. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. None of us are the typical choice. That's why I said, my power, God said this, my power is made great in your not typicalness. The Bible really says your weakness, but I like the not typicalness. Why do you think Jesus chose fishermen and tax collector and not other people? Because they weren't the typical choice. Some of you have, have conditioned yourself to thinking you're not worthy to do something in the kingdom and produce fruit because you're not the typical choice. If you've ever thought of yourself as not the typical choice, it means you haven't made the transplant from slavery to sonship. You haven't made the transplant from where you're at walking through the stuff to stepping up to be seated with Christ in heavenly places where he can use the stuff to grow you through, fruit where you're at, roots where you're growing, and watch what he can do in your life. Now you have a choice. I can choose to be his child and get planted or choose my abilities and try and prove my worth through my production. Now I want you to, I want you to really think about what I just said. Worship team, y'all come on up. I want you to really think about what I just said. I can choose to be his child and get planted, which is an amazing thing, or I can choose my abilities and try and prove my worth by what I can personally produce for the kingdom of God. One says you're not a son. The other says... You're a child of God. Yeah. I want everybody to close your Bibles. I want everybody to look up here at me real quick. And I want you to see the phrase they're, not, they're about to put on the screen. It's the moment of truth. The moment of truth is this. I will not always be a pastor and a preacher. Yeah. I will always be a son. I will not always be a pastor and a preacher. I will always be a son. Now I want you to listen to what this means. You're not always going to be who you are sitting in this chair. Because there's going to be a day when you go home to be with the Lord if he doesn't come catch his church away quicker. But then when we're all caught away quicker and we're living in eternity, Joel's not needing 
to, to, be a, to be a preacher anymore in the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is manifested. So if my supreme value on my life was become the best pastor or become the best preacher I could possibly be, if that is my supreme value, if I'm saying, Father, I'm going to please you because I'm going to be the best pastor, I'm going to be the best preacher, and that's my supreme value because I'm going to bear much fruit, what happens when? See, some of your identities are so wrapped up in what you can do, you've forgotten about who you really are. Now, when I look at that second phrase, I will always be a son. I will always be a son to my heavenly father. And oh, I began to weep this week when I, when I wrote this down. I will always be a son. Through my good preaching and my bad preaching, I'll be a son. Through my good actions and my bad actions, I'll always be a son. Through whether I lay my hands on somebody and watch the dead rise or whether I don't, I'll still be a son. But if my sonship is contingent on whether I raise somebody from the dead or not, I'm getting into this place that my supreme value is on my pastoring and my preaching, not my sonship. And this week, as I begin to write this part of the message down, oh, did I have some time to repent. Thank God he gave it to me on Monday, so it gave me seven days to repent. Because in my life, I've known I've put supreme value on how great of a leader, how great of a pastor, how great of a preacher I could possibly be and and get to where God has called me to be. When he said, Joel, you'll not always be a pastor or a preacher, but you will always be my son. So if you will start putting supreme value on being my son, I can make all that other fruit happen. Oh, church, what I'm telling you this morning is this. What I'm trying to get to you is this. Some of you have been so frustrated in the church and at the church because you come and you come and you come and you think, I cannot produce any fruit. And I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm just not producing anything. Maybe your supreme value needs to turn and say, I'm just going to focus on being a good son or a good daughter. And with that, he chose me. I didn't choose him. He chose me and said that he appointed me to bear much fruit that will remain. And so as I choose to be his son, as I choose to be his daughter, seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, it's on him to make it flower. It's on him to make the colors happen. But my supreme value as Joel T. Meyer, not as your pastor, not as your preacher, not as whatever anybody else would call me, doctor, whatever, all this, whatever it is. I want to be called a son. God's honest truth. I want to be his son more than I want to be your pastor. I want to be his son more than I want to be a good preacher. Because if my standing in the kingdom of God rests on my abilities, Lord help us all. But if my standing in the kingdom of God, seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, rests on the truth, not the fact, on the truth, that I am his son, then everything changes.